Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today it is a joy to have Michael Steele with us. He's a former lieutenant governor of Maryland, so that's where I, I first met him as a resident of Maryland. Um, he's also the first African-American elected to statewide office in Maryland, which well, that's, that's uh, of interest because Maryland always sees itself as a progressive state. Uh, he's also chair of the Minority Business Enterprise Task Force uh, and uh, is a member of the Republican Party still. Yeah. He's, the, light, the light's on and he's the only one left at home. <laughs> Motel 6, baby. Motel 6. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> when we come back, we'll spend some time with Michael Steele. Hi, and we're back. I am Brian Karam, your host. This is Just Ask the Question. And with us now is uh, former Lieutenant Governor of Maryland and uh, uh, Republican political activist, Michael Steele. And Michael, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. It's good to be with you, Brian. Always, man. Always. <laughs> so I love your style. I just love your style. Balls to the wall, baby. Balls to the wall. They'll end up on the wall or path plastered to the wall, one or the other. <laughs> well, there, there is that, too. <laughs> So I've got you here and I just have to ask you the question. Why is anyone in the Republican party still kowtowing to Donald Trump? Uh, you know, it, it's gonna make a great sociological study. In fact, I, I've said for the last couple of weeks now since the election that we need to move out the political, um, political scientists and bring in the sociologists and the psychologists and the psychiatrists and others who deal with human behavior to really put a finger on understanding what has happened to a once venerable um, and, and you know, competitive political party that it has become the cult of personality around one individual who is neither a conservative nor a Republican. And he's not really a liberal or, or a Democrat. Or a liberal, I was going to say, or a liberal or a Democrat who disdains the political process, who, who sees the glorification of self as the only motivating factor in anything, uh, and how they have allowed themselves to be consumed by that to such a degree that I was talking with a friend this morning about this, that they, that they will sacrifice family and friendships over Donald Trump. I mean, I know people right now who will not speak to lifelong friends because they didn't support Donald Trump. And I asked them, I said, well, did Donald Trump pay your mortgage? Did he raise your kids? Did, by the way, did you, did he, you know, give birth to your children? I mean, what the hell hold does he have 
on you that you would drop a 30, 40, 50 year friendship because they don't like Donald Trump? I mean, <laughs> it, it, makes, it, it makes no rational sense. Um, and it gets reinforced. And here's the problem is that it's getting reinforced day in and day out by a political class that can't find a ball among them to stand up to him. We're talking about a testicle. <laughs> yeah, a testicle. That's the, yeah, you would be more scientific. I, I stand corrected. Because you have to be specific. You have to be specific. Ball, ball, what kind of ball does they need? <laughs> A set of gonads. A set of gonads. They don't have a set. They don't have a pair. They don't have one, have one. to stand up to this man to say, this is not who we are. This is not what we believe. This is not the country that we want to, to lead because this is not who we are as a nation. And if you can't say that, then why are you in this space? Well, and that's, that's something the voters have to ask themselves, particularly given that the voters... Um, you know, basically rewarded bad behavior because well, they gave yeah. them 11 seats in the House and they, they kept the Senate close. Yeah, and uh, down ballot in the state and local elections, Republicans did well, which, you know, of course, <laughs> tells you a little bit more about Donald Trump is that the Republicans would have done better if he wasn't on the ticket. Well, <laughs> it, there, there is that, but it also says a lot about us. It also says a lot about the country and where we are right now. And there is a, there is, and this is why I go back to having the social scientists really kind of step in at this point to sort of examine where we are, because my sense of where we are is not a healthy place. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of victimhood going on here. There's a lot of, you know, um, white whatever going on here. There's a, there's a whole fear. It's, it's, at a minimum, it's fear. At a minimum, it's fear. I, and I'll um, submit to you it's this, that, or, or at least with some of them. Now, we know the racist, I, I don't say that uh, every person who supports Trump is a racist. No, 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 absolutely not. Every racist I know supports Trump. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> For those who aren't racist and they're white, one of the things I find in you have, I have this conversation with them and what they fear, it starts out thinking they're, they're, they fear they're going to lose their equality. But what it really is, is they fear being equal. They fear they're losing their privilege. They're using when their privilege. Start, when you and start- that is so, man, you just put that so well because that that's that's really, that is that is thumb on the scale kind of kind of good right there, uh, Brian. It really is because that gets to the nub of what's at the heart of this. This is about what has been since the country has been founded. Right. So if all of a sudden now you look around, first off, the original brown people we were here, we we got that done. So we pushed them aside. We brought in a whole bunch that we thought we could control and we could, you know, we, we could make it work because that's what we thought. And now who we are 400 years later and this whole conversation around equality really goes to privilege. It really goes to the fact that I don't see myself as equal with you because if, if I did, I would have nothing to fear. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, that was Lyndon. Remember what Lyndon Johnson said, if you want to get a uh, poor white guy to vote for you, just make him 
think that he's better than a, a poor black man and hell they'll they'll sell their soul for you they'll sell their soul for you because that's always at the end of the day been the rub no matter how enlightened no matter how sophisticated at the end of the day and we've seen evidence of it in 2020 the young woman in central park who called the police on a black man who was walking his dog as she was walking hers but she was violating the law by allowing her dog to poop where dog wasn't supposed to poop and wouldn't clean it up. He called her out. She calls the cops on him and claims that he assaulted her. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. We have this on videotape. Right. We see what happened here. But her privilege made her believe that when the police showed up, they would automatically believe her. And it yeah. wouldn't be the situation where they would be treated equally and, and the facts would be the order of the day. It's no, I'm a white woman crying in distress. You have to believe me because this black man has impugned right. my right. It's what it boils down to. Is right. And Donald Trump plays on that. He too. plays on that every time. I That's mean, why he not... made his reach to the white suburban women. And what, and what happened, Brian, what happened in this election? The rough numbers, 55% of white women voted for him. Now they want to break it down. Well, you know, among educated white women, that number, they didn't. There wasn't a majority. Doesn't matter. White is white, baby. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, in my neighborhood, we don't distinguish between an uneducated white person and an educated white person. White is white. It's a joke. It's complicated. <laughs> but so that's, I, I think when we look at Trump, that's what we're looking at, though. He exploited, you know, when, when you talk about having social scientists and all of that, I, I think it he really is just the con guy. Yes. P.T. Barnum has nothing on him. Right. And that's that was his. And, you know, basically, I remember um, there was a friend of mine in the White House press pool at the beginning. Major Garrett at the beginning of the administration. He Love said, Major. Love Major. Yeah, Major. Yeah. He and I went to school together, actually. Did you really? Yeah. University of Missouri. He was a year behind me. Um, but what we said, what he said then, I remember so well is that, you know, eventually you just get tired of the guy. And he just, you know, even those who support him got exhausted. Well, not as many got exhausted by him that love him. But what he did do was drive a lot of people who hadn't voted before out to vote in the election. Yeah. So while he could claim that he got more uh, votes than any other sitting president, he still lost, which just makes him the most famous loser in history. I mean, well, can I can I touch on something you just said? Because that, that that's exactly right. But I want you you put it so well. You just get tired of the guy. Yeah. And in one sense, a lot of people did. But can I just say something? It didn't take you long to get tired of the guy because you figured it out. Right. And I only wish that a lot of your colleagues, when you would stand up in that briefing room, and whether it was Sarah, where it was McEnany, whoever the hell was standing there pushing out bull. I don't know yeah. how far I can go on your podcast, but as far as you want, bullshit. Right, putting up, pushing out bullshit. And you would just stand there very quietly and patiently in the back of the room and raise your hand and go, basically, excuse me, you just told us a lie. So right. can you now? correct the record with the truth. And, and, and it was just stunning to me, there was you and April Ryan and a handful of others who would kind of push back against the narrative that was being pushed out there every day. And I never understood why there was not the cavalry kind of reinforcement um, because I know everybody was tired. They, I would talk to a lot of these folks, you know, they called me up to do exactly. interviews and, 
and get background and they would, oh my God, this is so exhausting. And I would say, what? <laughs> don't go to the press briefing. Just don't show, if, if the press decided we ain't showing up today, unless you're gonna be telling us the truth. I mean, it's just little things like that. And I think the American people just got to that point to, to your point, Brian, that they were like, you know what? Effort. We're done. I, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I could. I, I had to cover it, and I have to cover it. Right. Sure. Because it's my my beat, and I'll be happy after January twentieth when I no longer have to follow him or repeat a tweet of his or pay any attention to him at all. Right. I won't. And there are those who think, oh well, you'll miss it. No, I won't miss this shit at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have issues with. I'm sure I'll have issues with Biden. I have issues with all presidents. Right. <laughs> be wholly different than the ones I'm dealing with now. Yeah. Just basically, yeah. I I really when I I dread going down there to the White House. Yeah. Well, you won't have someone standing up at that podium saying that what you do is fake. Right. And what you do is lie is a lie when they are themselves lying to you and the American people. And you're right, um, that healthy tension between the press uh, and, and the president um, has always been the great balance of the great leveler. And yeah, we can always make the argument, oh, the press is, you know, mainstream media is more biased towards liberals and what, fine. But at the end of the day, you know, when you got into that space, that as a reporter, as a journalist, that you would be able to do your job and not have to look over your shoulder and check the bullet holes in your back because they wouldn't be there. Right. Um, and, and that's, and that's, and I think that's part of the, I'm just tired. I'm, in, I'm, let me tell you what I'm tired of right now. And this goes to the heart of what we're talking about. I'm tired of making excuses for dumbass Republicans. I'm tired of trying to explain to people why these morons are being moronic. I can't, I can't help stupid if stupid doesn't want to help itself. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you're sitting here and you're, 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 you know, the facts you've watched this narrative unfold the same as I have. Yeah. And you come at someone like me or, or, you know, uh, Miles Taylor or anybody else, you know, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel Vinman. Yeah, you come after us like we got to explain to you why we don't support Trump. No, baby, you got that ass backwards. Right. You need to explain to not just to me, but to every Republican around the country and the country itself why you still support this mofo. You got to tell us that because let me tell you, you are the one in the minority here. Right. Right. <laughs> You can't, you can't look at the resistance and go, well, why are you resisting? Hello. Because <laughs> we're the majority. So why are you collaborating is the question. Yeah. And I, I you know, silence is complicity. I believe that the, the, the bottom line and, let, and going back to, you know, the initial question is what is wrong with, why, you know, the Republican party, you know, changed a lot after, Reagan and, and Nixon right. today, and but the the Republican Party historically, you know, progressives were Teddy Roosevelt, right? D well, progressives were Teddy Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, right? And, uh, and, and look at the, the the original progressive Abraham Lincoln. Um, yeah, we have a very very strong progressive slash libertarian history, um, and 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 it's one which I find is so ironic today, Brian, when Republicans talk about, you know, you know, my right to do X. And, you know, we want to protect your right to do X. 
right? But that's a very limited space of rights that they're willing to protect. Other rights, which are also guaranteed by the Constitution, they don't necessarily want to protect. Well, and, and they're I, not even honest about the ones that they do. I would say. Well, <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> I mean, I was at a rally where they said, look, and, and I heard this, they, and, and they said, um, we support the First Amendment, but these protesters are not, we can't, I'm going, that's the very essence of the First Right, 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 right. I don't agree with what you say, but defend to death, you're right to say it. That's right. And, and, they, and they just want to kill you for saying it. Uh, yeah. and, and, that, and that's, and look, and we see this played out as well on the left. I mean, the, both, the problem oh, is, it, <laughs> is, you know, that both sides now are, are buffeted. In the case of the Republicans, they're not just buffeted, they're beholden um, to this. On, to the far right, to the, I mean. In, right, and right. That, and, the, and the Democrats, their progressives have, you know, I, I don't know how progressive it is to deny others a right to speak. That doesn't sound progressive to me. It but, doesn't. And, and you know, I, I, did a, I did a, you know, a, a podcast recently. Uh, and it, of course, we kind of went down the rabbit hole on abortion. And, and, my, and my, my point was that as a pro-life individual um, and a conservative who wants to conserve constitutional um, ideals, it's not about conserving a particular policy. Um, the, the fact of the matter is you, you have to look holistically at this question of rights. And when, the, when those rights have been granted under our constitution, that's the end of the conversation, right? right? And and supposedly. so, supposedly, right? Um, but you you have you have also the flip side of that is that because those rights are get, are now under the Constitution, you have some on the left who come at you, and this was the 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 genesis of the conversation we were having on this issue, where you know, well, folks said, "Why aren't you a Democrat?" I said, "Well, because they don't want my kind of of." person you don't want a pro-life person in the party well, you know and and and, and you're not a democrat is because of that pro-life well that and a whole a whole bunch of other stuff but i'm just saying you know when you take these jazz oh where shall we start yeah, uh yeah. They, they, you know economy I, the size of government uh, but the but all right i agree with you that the traditional republicans were were uh, I, I don't, the supply side economics I've never bought into because it's, I, after 40 years of it, I, I find that we're not, it's, it's uh, what was the Bernstein, the, um, the uh, a guy that I talked to, the, uh, who said that, you know, and he's an economist who said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you told me. Yes. Yeah. That um, we have socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. So he's not real sold on. And I believe that, 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 you know, so economics, let's push that aside. But when you talk about uh, right to life, there used to be that in the Democratic Party. There used to be conservative Democrats, right? right. Well, you got Senator Casey. Texas. Right. Uh, there used to be uh, liberal Republicans. You don't have yeah. those anymore. Right. Both of the parties have kind of jettisoned those wings to, to chase the, the far end corners. And the I, I have always said that the vast middle where most people agree on some issues or most issues right. exist. Right. And while... You know, I, I know conservative people will say, look, I believe in, uh, I, you know, I'm pro-life, but if my neighbor is, you know, right to choose and that's the law, then that's the law. I'll take my counsel and do as 
I believe is right, and I'll let them do as they believe is right. Right, and and that's kind of and that's kind of the space because the reality of it is, you know, on issues like like that and and, and many others, um, what has happened is they have become they become the 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 mana for political advertising and fundraising without they, definition though i mean they've they've lost without their- definition that's right without definition just buzzwords so when yeah. and so and to my point as i was started saying when we talk about the republicans saying they're for a smaller government i haven't seen that for a while no i haven't seen it either because under under this president and even under bush the last two republican presidents the size of the government has grown now albeit the size grew after 9-11 for national security purposes i get that understand that a lot but still a lot of those traditional republicans had a problem that was that was that's that is what initially animated tea party was government spending the size and growth of government the influence that it was having over private decisions a la terry shivo down in florida um so you had you had this sort of um big government republicanism which sort of teed off a series of responses by activists now, what was churning within that activism was sort of this fatalistic view of the culture and the society as a whole. So when you when you looked at, and it was euphemistically put into this box called family values. Yeah. And, and in that box, a yeah, whole multitude of sins would occur. <laughs> Not any family I'd want to be a part of. But. Yeah, I mean, and but now even that, even that chicken, not only has come home to roost, but has had many body parts since lopped off because, right. you know, it, it, it sort of cannibalizes itself in the face of reality. So what do you do now in, you know, when you have a conservative court, which the court has been conservative for some, it just didn't become conservative. Right, right. It's been in, in, in you know, in the last well, year. It's just- right. So, but what do you do when that conservative court led by a conservative chief justice gives you uh, gay marriage, gives you national health care, gives you a number of other things, but at the same time takes away voting rights, takes away uh, other environmental, you know, rights. So you you see you see that in that space, and this is why I love it's so ironic. Republicans talking about you know they're afraid of Joe Biden making judicial appointments here. You know this activist liberal court. We've had an activist conservative court. Right. For well, the, that's what they're afraid of. They want the activist conservative. Right. I was like, what do you it's think? What do you think they're worried about? It's the liberal part that they don't. Right. Like. What do you think the healthcare decision was? Like. <laughs> it is a bit. Well, let's uh, before we go to the break, let's talk a little bit about Donald Trump and his what he's. Now, there's no one that I talk to that believes that he's going to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat and screw up the election. I, and, no, and, they'll try. They'll try, but the, the, the it's just the math. I said from election night forward, it's the math, stupid. You can't you can't avoid the math. The numbers are the numbers. One hundred and fifty-one thousand vote margin in Michigan. You know, count them again. Right, eighty right. some thousand vote margin in in Pennsylvania. Thirty some thousand in Georgia. Really, where are you going? Yeah, where are you going? It, it, all right, so. We agree that at the end of the day, he's gone January 20th. And 
how that plays out could be a national tragedy or or a comedy. Well, it'll, it'll be a comedy because he'll likely go to Mar-a-Lago for Christmas and stay there. He will not come back to Washington. That's what a lot of people believe. Uh, that's what the odds makers say. That Anthony Scarmucci believes that. You believe that. I believe he's not coming been... back, and, and and he's not going to the he's not going to the inauguration because now not that's interesting. On... I spoke with some of his staffers who said they believe he will go to the inauguration because there's a part to be played there for the outgoing president in which he gets a lot of attention, and Trump likes that. Well, what, what part does he play? He walks down the steps and sit down. He doesn't do anything. Yes. Well, I'm just telling you what. He just walk. And trust me, when he walks down the step, be not, be not surprised that if there is some form of crowd, whoever's out there is going to boo his ass. So it's, it's not the most inducive environment if I'm him. Yeah, now, I don't look, think he, I'm just telling you what they told me. No, no, and that's fine. That's fine. But this, again, these are the same people who told you a lot of shit that's happened. For the last happen, four so. years, you've done nothing but lie to me. I, <laughs> right. to, the point, to the point where when they say, you know, the sun rises in the east, I have to look out the window and check. It makes sense. There's nothing that, <laughs> when they tell me their name, I want to double check it. That's, it's just... You know, I'm the press secretary. No, you're you're propaganda minister, but let's, you know, I've, I've got a binder full of facts. No, you got an empty binder full of, of, of you know, catalogs. It's, you know, everything they say is just. Oh, uh, I know. I and know. So the last question before we go to break, all this aside, what do you think the long term implications are for the US for this stunt that he's pulling now? Because there are people who still believe that. He got screwed out of the election and they'll go to their uh they'll, they'll go to their grave they'll grow to their grave believing that you're gonna have uh the the remnants of this generation for some time believing that um and un it's unfortunate biden will have a very hard and a very tall order to um sort of rally the country around uh this idea of or of purpose of unity um and it's because 72, 73 million Americans will believe. Well, I won't say that. I'd say probably 35 to 40 million Americans yeah. will, will, will always and forever believe that Donald Trump got, got robbed. I mean, there, there was this great thing that Trevor Noah did last week on The Daily Show in which they were, they, his roving reporter, I forget his name, went to one of one of, to one of the rally the rally that was last weekend or or, or so, and um, uh, asked them to uh, about Trump. You know, these all these Trump people, and they were like, "Oh no, you know, they 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 stole the race from them." And then so the question was, "Where's the evidence?" Well, you know what the evidence is. I mean, you know, so they they don't have the evidence. There is no evidence, right? right? So so what? Where do you? Where do you go with that? What what do you think? What do you say to that individual? There's nothing you can say. There's nothing. So we're just gonna have to live in this in this bubble um, with with folks who believe that and do our level best to continue to put out facts and truth. Uh, Biden will have to create a high degree of transparency. I think there's, which is why he does he does not want to waste his administration time and resources necessarily investigating Trump when he knows that SDNY New York will take care everybody of everybody else everybody else has got yeah, there's a line there's a line <laughs> Congress Congress will do whatever Congress decides to do which will be um, nothing that's because they're really good at doing nothing 
and you know there there may or may not be some some investigations done by you know certain committees but you know i think biden is right to sort of look try to focus the country's attention on going forward here's the rub former president trump will be there with his twitter account trying to build his media empire to compete against fox since he's now redirecting all of the fox viewers to oh yeah. OAN and, and, and others just as a holding place until he, you know, either takes over the platform at OAN since it's established and, and then basically are, you know, people go, what the hell's on OWN? You know, then no yeah. one knows what they are. Um, or he creates something different. But he will be, he will be a pain in our collective asses uh, for the remainder of his time on this planet. I, I agree with you there. I think that the, the Trump show will continue. Yeah, uh, it you know it won't be reruns. It'll be fresh, but <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm I'm of two minds as to whether or not he takes over OANN or, or just has rallies. Because bottom line is he's a very lazy man. He spent yeah all the four years that he was in that White House. There were days where he wouldn't come to the West Wing until two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, he's up in the family residence watching TV. Yeah, or, or and, and he spent a year golfing. He spent golfing. a year of his, of his administration. So thankfully, he's an incompetent fascist right. and, and lazy. And I worry about, you know, if we ever run across a competent fascist. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my concern. They're 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 breeding themselves right now. They're they're yeah. trying to, you know, there is another Trumper out there. Yeah who's probably more competent. So we do have to worry about that. But I just don't, at, at the end of the day, I don't know that Donald Trump would actually want to take over a, a, a network. I think he'd much rather do rallies and tweet. No, he doesn't need to take over. It'd be like his business. Yeah. Well, he would, or he wouldn't do that either. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, Ivanka basically, basically runs the Trump corporate right. empire. Um, I know that I witnessed that firsthand. So I, so that, that's not, that's not surprising from that standpoint. Um, you know, this is the guy who's good at putting his name on shit. That's, that's what he does at the end of the day, when you sum up his 70 some years on this planet and the 50 some years that he's been in business, he's just good at putting his name on shit. And, and, and turning <laughs> that's it. That's it. Into shit. <laughs> right, right. So it is what it is. You know, for all those Republicans out there who have a beef with me or anyone else who, who came at Trump, it ain't personal, baby. It wasn't about you. It was about what he was doing to us. Amen. And, and that is, that's the most important part. And it's too bad. And I can't help you if you don't get that. Um, you stew in whatever shit you want to stew in. I'm walking on fresh ground right now, baby. We're planting new seeds and we're looking for a new harvest. If you want to go hang out with the weeds, have fun. And on that wonderful note, <laughs> we'll take a short break. <laughs> Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one I, I don't mind doing. If <laughs> Actually, I've actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not. Maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, 
you can get this mouth-watering package. I, I've never actually seen a mouth water. Oh, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code question into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks. Guaranteed quality and safety with every order. <laughs> order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, and we're back. I am Brian Karam. It is Just Ask the Question. And with me is former Lieutenant Governor of Maryland and Republican stalwart Michael Steele. And Michael, I guess I'll, uh, I, you know, I, I said beforehand, what we wanted to do was talk a little bit, little bit about what should the Republican Party look like going forward? What's your, I've asked this of the people in the Lincoln Project. I've asked this of every Republican I've come across and so I, I it, you know, to you, you, you called yourself kind of like Motel 6, <laughs> lights on and you're the last one home in the right. Republican Party. What would the Republican Party in your mind look like going forward? It'll look very white. It'll look very old. <laughs> no, what would you like to see it look oh, like? Oh, I thought you said, what will it look like going forward? Yeah, yeah. we know that's <laughs> not... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think you want it to look like that. Going. No, 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 no. I thought I misunderstood. I thought you said, what will it look like? Or yeah, not what, what do I want it to look like? Yeah, what, what you said, what will it look like? It's going to look white and old. So <laughs> what do I want it to look like? Well, I'd like it to look like America because that's how the party started out. That was its origin. That was its genesis. That was its native story was, you know, we what wanted to fight rights. Right. We wanted everybody to be treated equally. What the American how dream would you differ from the Democrats. Pardon me? How would you how would your Republican Party differ from the I Democrats? Mean, that's that's going to be different on policy. I mean, that's just going to be I mean, that's always going to be a differentiator between the two parties is where they stand on particular party, you know, policies from taxes to, you know, size of government and all that stuff. I think both parties still fundamentally believe in the Statue of Liberty. Um, even even though we you know have you know a different approach maybe than than some on the left when it comes to immigration, not putting children in cages, by the way. Yeah. Um, but um, you know this idea, I mean, it, it really kind of plays to the law and order, more the order narrative and the law narrative, meaning the law is what you obey and the order is is, the, is how you obey it. You know, you stand in the lines, the law requires you to stand in to come into the country. You know, we can have these debates, you know, no one's going to debate DACA. It was a bullshit argument from the beginning. You're not going to take a, a 17 or 15 year old kid and throw them back into a country they weren't, they knew nothing about, didn't grow up in. Um, so there, there are, I mean, there, you know, there are the, the obvious po policy agreements yeah, that we can- Pardon me? 
Do you build the wall? Fuck the wall. I'm sorry. No. No, I, I, no, I mean, no, come on. I mean, I'm a blunt all, guy. I appreciate bluntness. You, you, you're always going to have, you're always going to have a, a, some type of, you know, demarcation. I mean, that's, that's not, but no wall in the sense that we don't want you here. Right. So what if would you, if you look, look, put it this way. If you had over 25, 30 years, a singular mind in this country about immigration policy, there would never be a need for a wall. Yes, you'd, ha you'd have the, 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 the asshole who decides to cheat the system and, and, and you know the coyotes and others who try to come in illegally, but that's a manageable problem. You talk to any border agent, they'll tell you that's a manageable problem. Yeah, it's manageable with people. It's manageable with people. It's manageable with technology. You don't need to have a wall. Hell, we have drones now. We can fly into Mexico and see them leaving our house to come here. So it's not like, right. it's not like there's a, a, real, a real issue there. But I say that about the wall to the extent that what, what Donald Trump and some Republicans, how what they mean by the wall and what they try to do with the wall, that has not been where this party has stood. It has not been where the country has stood. It's an affront to the woman who stands in the, in the, in the New York Harbor, uh, Lady, Lady Liber Liberty, who tells us, commands us even, to give us your tired, your poor, right? Your wretched uh, refuse. That's right, who yearning to be free. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's that that's that narrative crashes into that wall. So I'm not saying I don't want border security. Absolutely, I do. So but I don't think a physical wall, no matter how much you dress it up, no matter what decorations you put on it, um, will will solve the underlying economic issues related to immigration. Because right now we're running net zero illegal immigration in this country. And Trump had nothing to do with that because it was net zero before he got elected. Right. Right. Why? Because the economy in Mexico with the, with the proper approach by their leadership was creating jobs and opportunity. Right. So folks who are coming in now are basically coming to visit family. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's They're not coming here to work. I worked on the border for many years and there was, back and forth flow there was always you know some of them all right so their day job maybe they worked at a a, a break shop in laredo and then they lived in nuevo laredo right, but, right. But maybe their cousin worked uh in the restaurant nuevo laredo and lived in laredo so i mean there was that when was i worked back of, yeah and, and i'll tell you brian it, you know if i were if i were president for a day what i would do is i would have a regional summit uh, you know, between North and South America, I would bring our Canadian friends uh, with me and we would sit down, not that Canada has to worry, but I just think it sort of, I think that there is, a, there are a number of economic incentives that can be brought to bear here. And look at this from, from the bottom line, because this really is about our need for workers, their need for jobs, and our respective countries' needs for economy, from Venezuela to Costa Rica to whatever, everybody, everybody's at the table, um, and and Nicaragua and Mexico and you know, so you don't, so Mexico didn't have to worry about its southern border, 
right? And the migration from its south, we don't have to worry about the migration from our south, and Canada certainly wouldn't have to worry about the migration <laughs> from its south. There's just going to be a lot of political asylum seekers. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why you bring Canada into the room just to make them calm, just to yeah. calm them down. <laughs> well, okay, so, but if you're a, a, a young kid today and you're registering to vote, yeah. You're 18 years old. Um, maybe you believe in some of, you know, that maybe you do believe in a smaller government, but maybe you believe in a woman's right to choose. Is there a place in the Republican Party for you? Um, it depends on where you live. It depends on who you talk to. Would you like life. to see a place in the Republican Party? Yes, of course I would, because at the end of the day, I want, I want, I want as much, as many of my folks as they have of their folks. I would like to have more. Um, but we're losing voters. We're hemorrhaging voters. I wonder um, why. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm going to have to go study that. I have no idea why. I mean, so, it, it amazes me that um, with all that this, pre I, I mean, I admire you for holding on to your ideals, but it would be so, I, I, it's, it's taxing to me to have to spend time around people um, who are obviously racist I mean, I, I've walked into that White House and they've asked me, what what does my last name mean? And I go, really? Yeah. I, I mean, I walked in, they go, well, what kind of name is that? And I go, it's Karim. It's it's my last name. Yeah. But what kind of name? I go, well, it's the name that comes after my first name. It's <laughs> and I go, well, what's your last name? And it was like Brown or something. And right. they go, well, that's a normal name. I'm going, ah, uh, they, they that's thought a I was normal name. Yeah. So I have a darker complexion. Last name is Karim. Right away, they thought I was a you know a Muslim extremist. You know yeah. that's oh yeah yeah and and that's I could not stand to be a part of a party that would I, I don't know how you because they obviously are there's some racists in the Republican no there no no there's no doubt about it and I've dealt I with mean, there's racists in the Democratic Party there too. are yeah and I think and I think that's that's important to be to be clear about that there are uh, but far fewer I would think. Well, no, not, 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 no, it's still yeah. white, baby. It's still white. Yeah. <laughs> still going back to the first part of our conversation. Right. <laughs> As what a lot of my Democrats, Democrat friends don't seem to get. It's well, I did white. make a joke at the beginning of this uh, race. I said, it, it stuns me that in the United States of America in the year 2020, that the two leading contenders for the top job in the United States are two aging white men, septuagenarians with bladder control problems. Hello. Well, 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 but you know what that says though? Uh, now the question is, look who's in the wings. Kamala Harris is in the wings. Uh, on yes, the left. and oh. you have to give Biden this. Look, and I don't know how he'll be going forward, I, you know, with the press or with anyone, right. but he's been part of two historical administrations. Yeah, yeah. The vice president to the first African-American president and he's president to the first African American minority, right? Female, female vice, vice president. president. Yeah, yeah. And Republicans haven't done jack shit in all that time. We could, we could, we could have because we have the talent inside the party. Um, I'm thinking example of, of my friend J.C. Yep, my friend J.C. Watts um, could have very easily have been uh, someone on the ticket um, with you know coming out of Congress. Um, there are any number of, of, of folks who could have played uh, those roles if 
those roles were uh, there to be played. In other words, that they were allowed to, to do what they, what they do best, and that is represent and communicate the party. Look, you asked the question about how do you, how do, you do this and how do you, you, know, you know this person's an ass, why do you stick around, et cetera. Well, yeah. I, I, I give you an example. I'll give you an analogy um, and, and you tell me what you would do. So you wind up in my house, either by invitation or by circumstance, right? But you're in my home now. Right. And while you're there, you start to rip holes in my carpet, knock holes in my walls, take my family pictures and shatter them, break my mama's china. So you've been uh, to some of my Thanksgivings. Right, I've been to some of your Thanksgiving, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you. And, that, that's, and that's before the turkey came out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and and uh, you, you cuss my wife out. Uh, so let me ask you this. Do I leave my house or do I kick your ass out? Well, that's a good question. I think the answer, of course, is you kick, you kick the son of the bitch to the curb. Well, that's not what Republicans are doing, though. That's the problem. That's right. What I'm so, about. but that's so that so so as as a member of the you know you know it's like the son, right? I'm a, I'm the one saying get the hell out and trying to escort them out the door, and yeah, I got the crazy uncle in the corner and the and the narcissistic aunt. Um, in the other room screaming, you know, stop that. You know, he don't let, that's okay. We'll clean it up. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. It's good because, why? Because he brought a pie. Right. So, well, so, he didn't you know, he, he and, brought, and, brought a pile of shit is what he That's did. what I'm saying. And it wasn't even a real pie. It was, it was, you know. You know, my dad had a saying, well, there's shit around here. There's got to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> but to your point, if I take your analogy to point, it's not just that you have one guy coming into your home. It's that everyone who lives in your house is now going, hey, let him stay. Right, and right. How do you deal with Well, that? and that's, and that, look, you, you, you deal with that for as long as you can. Um, does, does there come a point where you go, screw it, I'm done? Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of my friends have, you know, Joe Scarborough and Nicole Wallace and, and Steve Schmidt, Reed Galen, the list is long. Um, but then you have crazy people like me who say, this is worth the fight. The party is still worth fighting for because I believe in a viable two-party system, number one. I believe that the principles that drew me in as a young 17-year-old kid, and I, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I was very much uh, enamored by Ronald Reagan. He talked uh, about this country the way my mom did. Um, and I grew up in a segregated city known as Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, and, you know, I, I... I thought he was a bit of a con artist, too, but at least he had some... Very, very well may have been. And, and that, you know, history's starting to write some of those chapters, and that's okay. I never, I never I said... I get it. There, there are people that I know that were enamored by him and joined right. the party because of him. Right, right. I, I never said... Look, a little kinder and gentler. John John Paul II was why I ultimately decided to go into the monastery, you know, because of the way he talked about the church and the, he talked about my responsibilities as a Christian, as a Catholic. Um, and now, you know, we, we come to find out he promoted one of the worst pedophiles in the church's recent history. As a Catholic uh, boy, I'm right there with you. Right. So I, I get it. I can't, but 
this goes to the more most important point about Trump. I cannot, I cannot allow those things to blind me to who they were, right? right? Nor can I allow those things to force me away from other things that they have done that were of value of, of some importance or whatever. So it's a balance. And what you see right now with the Republicans and Trump is this out of balance, right? I would be fine if Republicans were like, you know, um, okay, Mr. Trump, we're with, we're with you on these things, but this, this shithole country stuff, this fine people on both sides, these putting kids in cages, et cetera, et cetera. We're not down with that. We're not doing that. But because there's no check on that behavior. Well, how about on September 23rd? He sat there. Look, he called on me first in that briefing. <laughs> I remember this, yes. I asked him, win, lose, or draw, peaceful transfer of power. He couldn't commit then. He said, if we don't count all the votes, there won't be a transfer. Why, right. Where were the Republicans then? Right. I mean, it, it, that is the very quintessential moment. And that's what has always separated us from the banana republics. We go, all right, you know, this is it. We're a country. We're going to, you know, go together as one. But And he's still tearing it apart. He's and still tearing it Lindsey apart. Graham and, and, and Matt Gates and uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, Satan's Talboy from Kentucky. And, and who are empowering him still. That yeah, and, and there, there will be a price that's going to be paid uh, for that, uh, no doubt. Uh, when, I don't know how. Again, the country sent a mixed signal. It said, we don't want, we don't want Trumpism. Well, no, we don't we want, want Trump. Trump. <laughs> we don't want Trump. It has not rendered a judgment on Trumpism because it sent 11 people to Congress. Including the first QAnon. It, it, yes, uh, I was going to say, including, you know, these conspiracy theorists that animate the Trumpism in the country. So I don't know where, where, that, where that's going to lead us. Um, but, you know, back to the analogy, I'm in the house, I'm on the front porch with the lantern. Um, I'm looking for good recruits to help me push the sons of bitches out. Um, there's a reason why, you know, I joined up with Lincoln Project when I did, which was a singular mission for me to uh, get rid of Trump. Uh, and, and so now we're on the back end of that, and, and the country's going to have to make some important decisions about which direction it wants to go. And the way it tells you it's ready to make those decisions is how it moves closer to Joe Biden as opposed to hanging out with the, with the dumbasses that are still pushing Trumpism. Right. along with Trump himself. Um, so, you know, to the point you made, which was a subtle one, but I, I picked up on it um, when you were talking about when Trump is gone, you're done with him. You don't need to write about him or talk about him. Anymore. And I, it, I've watched you well and gotten to know you well enough to know that will be you. Unfortunately, a lot of your colleagues are still going to buy into that bullshit and that's going to be part of the problem. They're don't still going to write about every tweet, and they're going to try to find a way to inject his ass into every story that Joe Biden is trying to get out in front of the country. And that's how we'll never get move forward from this. Don't even get me started on the rest of the press corps. Because <laughs> that, that could be a long, <laughs> a long conversation. <laughs> but, you know, 
I'll just simply say they can't tell me how to do my job. I won't tell them how to do theirs. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and leave it at that. Some of them won't get invited to the Christmas party. <laughs> But, you know, as a Catholic boy, as, a, as an altar boy myself, uh, I'm going to tell you this story because there's a point to it <laughs> and, and, and ask you a question at the end of it. <clears throat> so I remember when I was an altar boy, there was a priest, he was an Irish priest who everybody wanted to get his mass on Sunday afternoon, the Sunday noon mass, because he was a big football and basketball fan and loved University of Louisville and University of Kentucky. So if they were on the air, his masses were short and sweet. I mean, right. half, and, and as a, you know, an altar boy, you love that. Right, so right. His homily would be based, and I'll never forget it. He came out and he says, as we saw the day in the scripture, Jesus was a fine lad and so were all the saints. Now on with it. And that was it. That was, that was his homily. And so afterwards, this guy, Bobby Jones came up to him and says, father, you're, you're not taking care of your flock. You need to care more about your flock. And that, that was horrible what you did. And he says, he says, boy, let me ask you a question. He says, oh, what do you do for a living? And he goes, well, you, you know, you know, I'm a, a, a tax attorney. I, I do. And you live in that large house down the street, don't you? He goes, well, yeah, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, how many children have you? And he goes, well, you know, I've got eight. And he goes, let me tell you something, son. He says, I've given up wine, women, and song for me, Faith. What have you given up? You keep your pecker in your pants. You let me worry about the flock. <laughs> and I'm an altar, and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> And, and the guy got about that tall and he's out of there. And the yeah. turned to me and he says, Boyo, you can be absolutely right about a ting at the absolute wrong time. So the next Monday, I'm taking piano lessons. Good point. Good point. Right. I'm taking piano lessons. Sister Cat, uh, Mary Catherine, I'll never forget her. I, I could not keep time with the metronome that day. And she slapped me across the wrist with a ruler. Yep. And I said, something i'll never forget and i never should have said i i said this is why they ought to let you people get laid and she, i think she came from southern alabama with that hand across the you know through the appalachians and then across my face and i heard a laughter and it was the priest and he calls her out and i hear this talking for a few minutes he stuck his head in and he says boy oh what i tell you you can be absolutely right about a ting at the absolute wrong time. And so I, you know, I go, Oh, now I got it. I had to get slapped in the face to get it. But it makes me wonder, are you right at the wrong time when it comes to Republican party? Long, long story. Oh, no, dude, that is, that is, that is, that is so true. I love those stories and I actually wish I kind of met that priest because <laughs> um, he sounds like the kind of guy I can hang out with, but yeah, right? um, no. And, and to be honest with you then now, okay. So now this is, this is the couch portion of our conversation. Um, I've always, I've always been in that space. Um, you know, a friend of mine, when I was RNC chairman, he said to me that your problem is that you're the right chairman at the wrong time. And when I was, when I was doing some other things in politics, another friend of mine said, you're, you're, you are, you are 10 years ahead of where people are. Why, why are you talking this way and saying these things. And so father's right. 
you can you can say the right thing and by extension be in the right place doing the right thing at the wrong time and it's got to be it's important to understand what the wrong time is it is something that you learned from the story of Christ right well, I learned it when the the, the nun slapped me. When the nun slapped you up the side of the head. But if you gone to Bible school, you would have understood a little bit earlier. A lot of that. <laughs> but 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 no, it is it is whether or not the message, the effort, whatever it is you are doing, however you're engaging, is willing to be accepted. Right. By by those who are there, whether whether or not they're ready to receive it. You know, it, in, a, in, in a modern day example, um, Black Lives Matter, when, it, when Colin Kaepernick knelt, he knelt for the right reasons, but at the wrong time. But see, I, I wonder- And today, today, that whole, that whole narrative has changed. The country has now moved well, in a very short period. We have period. got there with- Pardon me? Would we have got, see, I often, that's the, that is the rub. No, no. Right place you, at the wrong time, or do you create the time by doing the right thing? Do you see, then, that, that, but the point about, of the spear, right? Yeah, but think about it this way. When you deliberately try to create something, nine times out of a 10, it's not created. Oh, well, that's, that, that I understand. But, that's not, but when you, those, the, those types of, those types of moments are organic moments. That's when you've had enough. Look, when I when I did well, some I of the when things, I had enough of this of this administration. Well, well, that's right. So well, that's that's my point. It ever came. <laughs> when, you, when you have when you have that organic moment, and I've had a number of them in my life where you just you stepped into it. And you know, the most the most recent, the latest one is when I decided to endorse Joe Joe Biden. Um, I, there's huge political ramifications for me for that. Okay, fine. I'll deal with those ramifications if and when they arise. I'm a big boy, but I can look myself in the mirror. The one thing, why well, one think thing that's and I appreciate it. Unlike our governor in Maryland, who decided rather than to vote for Joe Biden, he's voting for a, a dead president. Well, well, to each his own. To each his yeah, own. Okay, but come on, that didn't take a whole lot of bravery. What you I, did, uh, you know, that took that took guts. It, yeah, and, and, and what Hogan man, did was a cop out. Well, that's that's one message. I'm not going to dog my brother. I'm not going to yeah. give him a hard time. Um, but no, I, so it's so Brian, it's it's father really put his finger on something there. I think for all of us, um, and and I think it's 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 partly why we find ourselves where we are right now. People trying to figure out what the right time is instead of just recognizing that, just to get religious and spiritual for a moment, God puts these things in front of us on his time. And so how you respond to them in time is up ultimately to you. But you can't, you can't control that. You then have to find the courage, the perseverance, whatever that thing is inside yourself to go, no, this, you know, it ain't right. And I got to speak to what ain't right. You did it. That, I'll never forget that moment. You had a number of them, but the, the one near, I think was like the last or next to the last press where you just, you just challenged, you went, you just pushed up and basically was saying for speaking for a lot of people who had enough 
that that's a very risky thing because when you get back to the office, you know there's just going to be some shit on your desk oh, yeah. waiting for you, yeah. right? Yeah. And and you know that among your colleagues, there, there are a lot of rolled eyeballs and right a lot of there he goes again. Who does he think he is and all this other bullshit? But you got you went past all of that. You put yourself beneath the moment in order to rise to be in the moment. And that's hard for people to do. And we call it, when I was in the monastery, they called it dying to self is what they, you, you have to learn how to sacrifice yourself for something bigger and better and greater than yourself. And that's something obviously Trump knows nothing about, but it's also something a lot of Americans uh, walk away from as well. So I, I I really appreciate the story that that you shared about father because it it really strikes a number of chords with me. And you know the answer you know for me is am I saying and doing the right thing at the wrong moment? Um, I don't think so because I think this is the moment that was created for me. And I appreciate that. And I, so so I. Which is why I asked it and I tried to, you know, I, I always use that story because while humorous, it also makes a very good point. It does. No, it's a very powerful one. And it's something I think people should take to heart and understand that you have to understand the moment for you. Just as you understood the moment for yourself, I've come to understand it for me. Everyone's going to have Mitch McConnell and, and Gates and all these other folks are going to have to come to that moment. Now, they could just blow past it and just ignore the moment. Right. Um, and, and unfortunately for them, they don't get to make that up because what happens in the moment defines everything that comes after it. It just does. So if you're perceived in that moment as having capitulated the opportunity, moved away from it, not taken it, however that is, however it manifests itself, then you're going to have to live with that and, and deal with the consequences from it uh, and know that there will be because there always are. Yes. There are always consequences. You never get away from consequences. No, so, the press is, there's going to be some consequences for us. And, the, and, and look, for what we've done. Four years, of, four years of fake news came from eight, nine months of giving Donald Trump $3 billion with a free, unfettered advertising. We, we, we helped to create him without, yep. because we thought, of, we thought him a sideshow freak. That's did it. Did not take him seriously and gave and blew oxygen into a fire. That's it. And never one. And wondered why they got burned. <laughs> yeah. And, and never, and there are people today who still don't get it. I, I think the moment you're talking about that I had was this past week about asking him when he's going to, you know, just admit that he lost. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm just, I can't believe that we, that's, what other questions left to ask this guy? I, he, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's why, gone. Why are you asking him about? you know, Marco and, and, and whether or not they, they, you know, Maryland and I, who cares? Right. You don't, no one does, but again, you know, they go and they, they, they continue to blow oxygen on that, on that flame. Uh, and instead of letting it extinguish itself because right. you've taken the oxygen away. And I've been saying on, on, on air, uh, you know, on MSNBC for the past, excuse me, past week, and they ask me certain questions about Trump. I'm like, I don't care. Why do you care? I don't let it let it die. That what the man's lost. Why are we still having this conversation? 
my only concern about him now is how, and, and I think you put your finger on it, my only concern is how much does he destroy the process going forward? Honestly, I think once he's gone, it will quickly dissipate this, this but I think there will be a, a lingering number of, I, I have said- Oh no, there are gonna be, there are gonna be shit stains all over the carpet. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but the dog will be dead. <laughs> yeah, the dog, the dog will be dead from the shit stains. Exactly right. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. We got a mess to clean up and it's not a cancer. But right. the more we continue to pay attention to it, the more it feeds him. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I just can't, I can't, after he's gone, he's gone. That's, yep. And on that the more, note, the, the more we recognize that, the stronger and the better off we all will be. And, and then on that note, we'll take our second break. <laughs> and we'll be right back. <laughs> Somaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question and if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, and we're back. I am your host, Brian Karam. This is Just Ask the Question. And with me now is Michael Steele, the former, well, I, we, we've gone through all that. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> former Republican Party, head of the RN, uh, what, 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 Republican National Committee. And, yeah, yeah, that little, that little occupation I had. <laughs> former Lieutenant Governor from Maryland. And I, I guess, Michael, as, as we draw to a conclusion here today, what, what will you miss most about Donald Trump? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing nor should any other American miss anything about him. He has been the quintessential failure of a, of a president. Uh, he has been um, a, an unchecked uh, aberration in uh, our body politic, but most importantly, he has been uh, a singular uh, force for deconstruction of our constitutional norms and principles. Um, and that should matter to a lot of people, and we should not miss that. So there is not one thing, not one moment, not one tweet, not one one image, nothing. Um, he he is something is a lesson to be learned from, not a practice to be emulated. Um, and uh, I think we should we should take that. And, and understand exactly what we have wrought upon ourselves, recognize our own complicity in it, both the media and the, and the political community, uh, and especially the voters, uh, and say to ourselves without hesitation, doubt, or reservation, we will never do this again. Wow, that's, that's, that is heavy. And that's, I, I can't say that I disagree with a single word that you just said. There is not a no moment's hesitation in any word. Don't even put a period. It is a run-on thought. And it's just there's not a, there's not a pause. There's not a comma. There's not a colon. I know a couple of copy editors that would might want to touch that, <laughs> but not change the words. But what 
when I look back on it, I I was upset with Trump the moment he started making fun of a handicapped reporter during the yeah. and I saw him as a con man from the get go. What concerns me are the members of the press, the members of uh, the politicians that I know, the members of the general public who still do not recognize the aberration that this man was. No, they do. They do. Don't say that. Ah, ah. I think they do. They know they recognize it. You can't help but recognize it. I think some still buy the con. No, 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 no. That's my point. That's my yeah. point. It's, it's not, they, they recognize it for what it is. They accept the con. Okay. They accept the con because, you know, look, when, when someone says to me, when I ask someone, why do you like Donald Trump? And they say, he's just like me. I can't, baby, you've just told me everything I need to know. There's, there's, you, you, you've now found, found your soulmate, your political, whatever soulmate. There's a connection there. Well, so there's it's not a, it's, yeah, there's not a question of, you know, uh, of, of buying the con or, no, they accept it. They see it for what it is. They know it for what it is. They know what they saw when they saw a, 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 a three-year-old sitting in a cage with a, a, a metallic blanket. They know what they saw there. And they know damn well that well, that was okay because it was a brown child and not a white child. They know yeah. that, all yeah. right? So I, you can't, you know, it wasn't even, they, they have, they, they found someone that helped them dehumanize the things that they would other be otherwise, in my view, be upset about, right? So you take that out when it you don't the have- dark parts of their spirit acceptable to them is what you- Right, you, you take the guardrails away, as long as I know he's, he's got, he's controlling the car and he knows what he's doing, I'm good. All right, let's, let's go. I mean, so the reality of it is I'm not buying, again, this is why I'm at the point where I'm not buying the bullshit that people coming back with and trying to rationalize their, their tethering to Trump. For me, the break was, was, it was breaking all along the way. And I, I talked to Trump throughout the campaign. I would see him on sets and talk to him. And I was like, man, what are you doing? Da, 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 ba, ba, boom. But the moment for me was when the Access Hollywood tape came out and I said, uh-huh, now this completes the narrative because right. this is what you think of women. This is what you think of other human beings. This is what you think you can get away with. If you say, and this, is, this became a euphemism for me, if you think you can just run up on a woman and start kissing all over her because she wants it, yeah, that tells me what you think about the rest of us and what you think you can do with right. the rest of us. Well, and that's, that's exactly what he set out to do. He ran up on this country and started kissing and humping all over us because he thought we wanted it. And there are people out there who did. So I'm not excusing any of it. No, I'm I don't. not excusing any of it. White women out there, all the bullshit they were screaming and marching about uh, the day at the weekend after the election, how misogynistic he was, how racist he was. 55% of y'all voted oh, for yeah. him. Not in 2016, baby, in 2020. Yeah. So please spare me the platitudes, spare me the attitude, spare me the self-righteous indignation about Trump. You still voted for him. What the hell's wrong with the white people? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't know how else to put it. And I know. I, I'm, I hear you because 
that everything that you just described to me when he made fun of a handicapped reporter. Exactly. And like that was, I was like, all right, done with him. He doesn't care about, he doesn't care about those who are less fortunate than him. Nope. He doesn't care about the media. He doesn't nope. care about people. And if you call the, the press, the enemy of the people, we are the people. Right. So okay. you tell, you tell me how any, how any self-respecting flag waving, you know, uh, constitution pushing conservative can sit there who oh, first thing out of their mouth is the second amendment and our armed forces can look at what he said about John McCain. Yeah. Regardless of what you think about John McCain as a politician, as a you don't know him personally. So you, you know, you don't know him personally. So let's take that off. I did. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. except for the people who do. Right. Yeah. So I'm just saying the rank and file person out there didn't know John McCain personally, but they knew his story. They knew his narrative. They knew his sacrifice. And this man shat all over it. He just pissed and shitted all over this man's legacy. Wouldn't even dignify him. Didn't want to lower the flags of the country to half staff when, when, when McCain died. Still talks about him like he's a dog. And now we know from, from uh, reporters who covered this, what he thinks about the military generally. Oh, I don't, I, you know, I don't like losers and, and, and the like. You know, people who get caught, people who lose limbs, people who lose their lives. So we now have a fuller picture of who this man is. I remember in Montoursville, Pennsylvania, talking to a staff member as the plane landed. Donald Trump looked out among the crowd of people who were there to see him and said, look at those losers and suckers. Now, that to me, I, I mean, and we wrote about it. But people hear what they want to hear. But people hear what they want to hear. So, so that's why I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not doing the whole, oh, baby, come back. We'll make it better for you. Bullshit. I ain't making nothing better. You stew in that because that's your stupid. It's like yeah. folks who don't wear masks, right? Don't come crying to me when you get COVID. Don right. Jr., move on. I'm sorry. I got nothing to say to you, bro. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I wear mine everywhere. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, so don't, so, you know, we, it's not like we didn't tell you what was, what the deal was. And don't give me this. Well, at first you told me not to wear a mask. Yeah. How cool. many times have you gone to the doctor and the doctor told you to not do, not do X and then comes back to behind you and say, oh, well, you know what? Now we know more about what your issue right. is. You got to do X. Right. Hello. That's all this was. And it wasn't that big a gap, and that's they didn't the whole emphasize thing. It that week. much. It was a week. A week. Yeah, it was a week. <laughs> you, know, you know, we've we looked at it. You know what? We're going to have to go to mass. But you said not to. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so I know, I walk know. along the bank. It's like we told you to walk along the bank. Oh, well, wait a minute. There's quicksand there. Avoid that. You didn't say that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I, yeah. So I have no, I have no patience. I'm done. I'm not coddling stupid. I'm not coddling irreverence. I'm not coddling people who pretend that, you know, somehow they're a victim here and that the rest of us who've been victimized by this president are the actual villains. I'm sorry, not buying it because the body of evidence in the weight preponderance of the facts are against you. Right. And, and, and you need to then justify to the rest of us why you continue to insist on going down this road of white nationalism, of misogyny, and and um, you know supremacy 
and right. illiberal behavior. Yes. So yes. can anyone, I, I guess the last question for you for this is, can anyone who thinks like you, Michael, be elected in 2024, can anybody like you get nominated in the Republican no. <laughs> Right, look, we, that, that's a question, not just in 2024. And, 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 you know, we've got elections coming up in states like Maryland in 22, you got congressional, you got, uh, yeah, I mean, the, elections. But, can there be but, anyone? I mean, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see how how the public uh, responds. Look, there's always there is going to be a problem in Republican primaries for, you know, the, the Larry Hogan, Michael Steele, um, Ben Sass types. There just is. Um, and 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 it's because, you know, the 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 litmus test, which used to be whether you stood for the Second Amendment and 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 uh, uh, you know pro-life and family values, however that was defined, um, and you know small small government, all that. Those litmus tests have been pushed aside. The only litmus test is: Did you support Donald Trump? That's it. And if your answer is no, it doesn't matter if you were Ronald Reagan. It doesn't matter if you were um, William F. Buckley. It doesn't matter who the hell you are. If you didn't support Donald Trump, then you're likely going to run into a buzzsaw. So the, we have to figure out how to deal with that. We have to figure out how if to. Don't, don't you think that you're going to, in the end, destroy the Republican Party? Because well, the party's already, I mean, in one sense, it's already kind of harmed itself. I wouldn't say it's destroyed itself, but it's always all. all so far, it has created grave error. Put it in, in religious terms that us good Catholic altar boys can understand, <laughs> right? It, it, is, it, it, it has created, it has committed grave error. It, has, it is a party without a philosophy or a point of view. How do we know that? It doesn't have a platform. So you can't tell me, oh, well, we just took the platform from 2016 and we just like used it again. That's not how this works. The world is different from 2016. We have COVID now, we didn't at 16, right? We know more about what the Russians did now than we did in 2016. We know more about Kim Jong-un in North Korea now than we did in 16. We know what the economic realities are now versus, so you can't, you can't, you know, the vibrancy of the party is the evolution of its thinking around big ideas that are girded by core, core principles and a value set that animate those ideas that turn into policies. We're not doing that. You know, Republicans run around, run around saying, well, we got tax cuts. Okay, yes, that benefited the rich. It didn't benefit the middle-class worker. Right. Yes, it did. Well, okay, how much did you get in your, pa your paycheck every two weeks? How much more did you get? And I had one guy look at me and honestly say, I got $50 more a week. All right, so that's $100 more a month. That's $1,200 a year. Do you know the guy who lives over in Potomac, Maryland? You know what he got? He got $30,000 a month more. Yeah. So what, so what do you do with that? He saw $300,000 to his bottom line. Yeah. You got $1,200. So I guess you're doing okay. Yeah. So, you know, that reality. Supreme Court nominations. Oh, yeah, well, we got, we got the justices we want. Really? So let me tell you what's going to happen on, on health care. It will be upheld by that conservative court. And oh, by the way, Roe versus Wade, baby, it ain't going away. I'm yeah. sorry. You know why it's not? Because they nominated 
constitutionalists. They nominated individuals who appreciate stare decisis. That is, that which came before is, and there's no precedent to overturn it. So the reality of it is, Roe ain't going nowhere. So all of this push and shove, and again, Donald Trump knows that. He didn't care. No, he doesn't give it. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't give a damn. So, you know, all of this, all of these machinations and all of this stuff, I'm like, you're so missing the reality. And the reality really boils down, I think, for the party going forward is, what do you have to say to a 17-year-old Hispanic girl or a 20-year-old Black boy, Black man, or a 35-year-old Asian uh, social worker, what do you have to say to them that gets them to look at this party and say, I want to be a part of that? Because wow. if, you can't, if you can't answer that question, and, and trust me, if you think the answer is, well, what have I done? What have, you know, how, you know, what, how do you put it? What do you have to lose? Or black unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. Or, you know, we have the platinum plan. Yeah. Um, and that's just for black folks because it's a different plan, I guess, for everybody. I had platinum. I don't know. I don't get what the thinking <laughs> was there. But playing the stereotypes. Um, but if you don't realize that it is so much more than that, you're not, you're not gonna win. This country's changing. This country is looking more like me than you, Brian. Yeah, well. It's, it's looking more like my sons, meaning younger yeah. than, than, you know. Um, well, by 2040, if you mean white, because I, 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 I have to tell you, I've been accused of being white and, you know, Muslim. So I, 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 I was called racial. I, when I was growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, they called me things. I had to look it up to find out what it was they were calling me. I didn't know what. Really? It was. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was I was a dumb kid. I mean, you know, I was called sand n word, and I was called you know camel, you know jockey, towel head. Then there were the ones like greaser. I didn't know what that was. Oh, that was a guy who worked yeah. at the, the lube rack at the you know at the, at the gas. Well, it'll look more like us than Donald Trump. But the point being is by 20, is, what is it, by 2040 or 2042? Yeah, something like that, yeah. That white people will be a minority. Yeah. They'll be in the, they'll be- And in some states they already are. And so how does the Republican party reach them? Or as you said, is it just gonna be old and white? Well, probably for the short term will be old and white and that's unfortunate, but there's those of us who will try our best to 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 change that, that outcome. Um, uh, to the best of our ability, if they if they allow us to help us change it. Look again, I keep saying to people, and I literally had this conversation this morning. My beef is not with my party. My beef is not not with the ideals that that drew me into the party. I think those still have value. My beef is with the man who is the titular head of the party. I uh, think you're going to have to explain what those ideals are to younger voters to get them exactly right. You and and it's harder to do when they look at the actions that Republicans have taken un under Stephen Miller and under other, other players inside the administration who have who've brought white nationalism into the Oval Office in a way that defines out everybody else. And that, that's, you know, 
this generation, the the Gen Z and X or Y and all, you know, whatever subsequent generations are uh, and will be, you've got to plan for that. You know, you have well over 60 some thousand Hispanics turn 18 years old every month in this country. Yeah. What are you, what are you saying to them? You, so you sit there, you go, well, he, you know, he did very well with the Hispanic vote. Okay. But you almost lost Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, doing well. Voters, he did because he said that word socialist. And that's right. So you so you're using you're using a term that you know is not applicable to the United States and is not because socialism is not going to happen here. It just it's just not you, socialism will not overwhelm capitalism. And, and oh, and by the way, we do already have a form of socialism. It's called every damn government government grant program that's out there that that oh. otherwise shouldn't be a grant pro program. And we know what they are. So you know we 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 do engage in our own form of socialism already. Um, well, yeah, and, and everybody's happy as long as they're getting the check, right? You know, but then it then it then it becomes a problem when when the check goes to you or to me. Well, you know, I, bottom line on that is Social Security. Uh, how about uh, the post office? The difference is, like with the post office and with Amtrak, which are all government subsidied and therefore can be called socialist programs, they're not the only source of the service. So you can go elsewhere to get service. So it competes in a market, a capitalistic marketplace. Right. So that's, I mean, we're not a. It's but not but look, either the federal government just takes over the post office and takes over the Amtrak and just and say this is a federal program and we ain't subsidized. This is it, and they just build the thing right, or they turn it over to the private sector. You can't do this. You can't do this hybrid thing and then screed against against socialism when the government is taking our dollars to fund the services that in an open market, we are not using. Because <laughs> it does, it's not efficient or it's not whatever. I love Amtrak, by the way. Can't wait to get back on the trains after we get a vaccination for COVID that's legitimate and clean and safe. But, yes. you know, but, you know. I'll take it. I, as long as the doctors say it's good, I'm in. The doctors say it's good, I'm on the train. Um, and I and I love those men and women who serve on the line. I really do. And they and they they are good, hardworking Americans. Um, but you know the reality of it is, you know, th they're oftentimes put in tough spots because of the way we approach government resources and how we how we um, you know provide service to the broader economy. So the bottom line is, look, the rea the truth is. We have to figure out as a party how we conversate with people. What are we saying to them? What what intrinsic values do we offer? Why should you be a Republican? Right. I'm not. I'm not because you can be a conservative Democrat. Right. You can be a conservative independent. Yeah. So conservatism is is an expression of of your of maybe your philosophy or your view on certain things. Um, but republicanism, like being a Democrat, is, is your expression of, uh, of how you align yourself um, on, on big, broad um, issues that, 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 that touch on how we govern ourselves, how we see uh, the Constitution itself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's no conservative view or no liberal view to the Constitution because the words are the words. It says what it says. You either believe them or you don't. 
um, you know, but but we can have a debate on what type of immigration policy we should have. Right. You know? So that's where I can have a more conservative approach to immigration. You could have a more liberal approach to immigration um, because those words aren't written in stone. Those words aren't already articulated and ratified by 38 plus states. So it's a very different emphasis when you're looking at these things through a, uh, a constitutional lens as opposed to a policy political lens. And that's my lecture for today. And I <laughs> look, Michael, it's been a lot of fun having you. I hope you can come back sometime. No, man, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. I hope it's, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope folks get oh, something I, out I of it. Oh, I enjoyed it immensely. I hope everyone else enjoys it as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.